This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Hi, everyone. This is Joe Krause of Jacob Media Partners with an incredible amount of gratitude. I want to thank the WPHT radio listening audience for embracing and listening to a lot of great programming on the weekends right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Shows like Beer, Chips, and Politics, The Labor Show, Good News in Real Estate, and the Lawyer to Lawyer Network. Then there's my favorites, Voices of Faith with Jim Brown, Roadmap to Retirement, The Radio Show, and the Sunday night weekly special, Women to Watch. From labor to medical to legal and everywhere in between, Jacob Media is proud to provide this great audience with exceptional programming. On behalf of everyone involved with Jacob Media, happy holidays. Oh, I almost forgot. Presented by Ocean Casino and Resort. Go for the live shows, go for the win. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the Law Offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the John Doherty Hour. We've got a fantastic discussion tonight. Tons of things to talk about. Going to have Mike Barnes uh, from a National Vice President of IATSE, and of course, uh, Pastor Buddy Osborne, founder of Rock Ministries. Uh, lots to talk about. Uh, John, how are you, sir? Good, Joe. How you doing, buddy? Well, I'm in the big chair, John. I'm uh, I'm I'm hanging in there, batting, pinch hitting for Krause here in the studio. I'm holding the fourth down and. Uh, I miss him, but you know, I, I at least I got you here to to carry the fort force. Uh, lots to talk. But by the way, the Army Navy game, you, you know, it doesn't matter if if one of them's eleven and oh, and the other one's oh and eleven. That's all scrapped when that game happens. Navy, who was three and eight, and Army, who was eight and three, Navy pulls off the upset. Never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, it was funny. I had a conversation with a couple guys down the union hall last week, and they were asking me, and I basically said the same thing you said. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Navy wins the game outright, you know, because they're the underdog. They're playing well. The last three or four games they played well, you know, and uh, it's just nice to see Army and Navy having decent football teams. It's good for them out. And, uh, you know, it's awkward not seeing it in Philly. I have to tell you, I don't like seeing it in New York and and down in, you know, Baltimore and places other than Philly. And uh, I don't know if many people know this, but uh, you know, I worked hand-in-hand at the time with city council and Jim Kenny, now Mayor Kenny. Uh, we kind of led the, on behalf of Governor Randell, we kind of led the fight to secure that multi-year deal at the Delaware River Port Authority. You know, and there was a lot of opposition to spending money. To, and people were saying, why would you spend money to bring something like the Army-Navy game Philadelphia, because it is absolutely uh, something that should be in Philadelphia. It's great for the hospitality industry. You know, besides the money you make, it's just good for, you know, the whole environment of this town. You know, we have a tremendous history, you know, with everything from Betsy Wilson's house to, 
you know, anything and everything around Fourth and Market. You know, it's just nice to have the Army, Navy, and tonight we would have had, you know, all kind of, you know, people from the armed services and first responders all over Philadelphia. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, and, yeah, and, we, and, we, yeah, I agree with you. And what, what's this, what, what's the schedule now, John? In other words, are they are they coming back to Philly or are they? Yeah, are I they, think it's, I think it's back next year. And I don't have I haven't been involved with that, you know. But I know I know that you know Mayor Kenny was you know really instrumental in securing it way back then when it was you know it was thinking about rotating it year by year. And I think the deal was cut like we get it three years and then it rotates someplace else you know every year. And it, it's almost like a couple of the announcers today kept talking about well you know it's nice to be in New York. Well, was it in New York? It was in East Rutherford. You know, I mean it's it's a long way from New York. You, when you play down here, you play at a real good stadium. You're 10 minutes away from being anywhere and everywhere in Philadelphia. You know, and it's just it's just a good game. It's a lot of fun. You know, I've hosted on more than one occasion, okay, uh, people at that game. Yeah, I, and, I was at uh, one of them affair. There's nothing like yeah, it, nothing I, like it. Listen, we had five five-star generals with us one time in the box. We had a whole – the whole box was filled with brass. It was just, you know – and, and another time we had, a, you know, we had some people who weren't as lucky and, you know, had some disabilities based on their history in the war and wanted to go to the game. We loaded the box up with, you know, people who had you know, some challenges for serving our country. But, I mean, it was always a lot of fun. It was always something that was good for, you know, Philadelphia in the region. It was good for the labor movement, you know, because, you know, a lot of our people, you know, are, you know, consider ourselves patriots in a, in a way. Our guys, you know, support everything. You know, there's nothing that, 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 you know, I've never heard anyone in the Philadelphia building trades object to anything that we do for any of our people who, you know, serve this country. I mean, you know, we're so um, involved with all the veterans issues. I can tell you this, uh, it, the tradition of the Army-Navy game uh, in Philadelphia, there's a sense of overwhelming pride. There's revenue that comes into the city. And, there, uh, John, I was, I, I, I was at one of those affairs that you hosted at the, um, I, I think it was at the link, and I can tell you this: there is nothing more emotional in sports that I can think of than being at the Army Navy game and watching that in person. Man, I mean, if if, if you don't get goosebumps and, and and aren't brought to tears, then you're just not paying attention. It's a spectacle. Just watching both academies, uh, the you know obviously the competition. You saw today, Navy wins, uh, and uh, you know, and they come into the game three and eight. Although they lost a lot of close games this year, they lost to Cincinnati and, and took them to the brink, and they're in the, in, in the, in the national playoffs. So the record the record doesn't express really how you know the, the talent that they have. But either way, Army was uh, you know was favored to win that game. They were eight and three, uh, and 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 certainly as we know and, and we've known in the past, throw the records out the window, man. Uh, you know, but then after the game, uh, you know, and and you know that you, you know these are the the men and women that are fighting for our country. Um, you know where where you know you you know we'll watch the national championship, and and we'll see Alabama or Georgia or Cincinnati or, or you know the other team that's in it or Michigan, and we'll see those guys in the NFL. These individuals will be fighting for our country. So we want to thank them for their service, and and what a great day. Uh, certainly, you know, we miss it, but we can't wait to have it back in Philly. No question about it. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you, you said it well. Um, what else are we talking about? 
well, the prep's playing for the state championship again, and that's where Krause's at. And uh, I don't think there's any team that's ever won. If they win this championship, we'll have won as many as St. Joe Prep. That's another big thing for the region. You know, not only is it, you know, I, I always like to say the best school, but it's one of, you know, uh, four or five unbelievable schools that we have in this region. And uh, uh, that it just, you know, everybody comes out of that program has an opportunity to do well if they if they capitalize on that, like I like to say, the prep experience. But uh, Krause's up there tonight. Uh, they got a tough game tonight. Uh, I'm hoping he calls in with, you know, uh, with some scores and updates. But, you know, it's something we should be proud of, you know. And, again, uh, you know, last year was a fragmented year because of the pandemic. And we've got some really talented kids that play in these programs. And they just don't and, – and football is a sport that doesn't get the amount of people that it used to. So it's really good to see these schools, you know, get tons of people go out for their teams, you know, freshmen, you know, sophomores, juniors. There's a tremendous amount of people out. And then they, they wind up playing. It's like it's become like a factory for winning. And, but it's also great for sending kids to, you know, further on in college and for scholarships. And the NFL these days. I mean, you know, you, you, you can turn the Detroit Lions on, the, the Green Bay Packers, and uh, there's individuals mm-hmm. from St. Joe's Prep. I, I by the way, um, it's, and I think I know you're talking you know, about Swift and Runyon right off the bat. That's yeah. two names that are pretty significant. You know, DeAndre Swift and John Runyon's son, you know, they both, they both play, and they're both having significant uh, years in, in the NFL. I had the pleasure my senior year of playing against Richie Gannon uh, when he was at Prep, and uh, certainly, you know, I, I'm a Roman guy, uh, and when Richie, when Richie went to the NFL, uh, nobody pulled for him more than me. He was a great athlete who went to Delaware, and uh, I went to see it. We, I was coaching at Roman when he won the Maxwell Award, uh, you know, and, we were, and we were there, and and, uh, fan, and he wanted us to pro. Drew Brees was the was the college pro, and we had a kid named Joe McCourt who was the high school uh, winner, and and uh, it was it was a fantastic. Uh, it was a p- fantastic event, and certainly, uh, go prep, man, representing the Catholic League in the city of Philadelphia uh, really well. You won't hear me say that often, but but you'll hear it tonight. Um, yeah, it, like, go ahead, John. Yeah, when we, it's funny. The preps had some great quarterbacks. You mentioned Gannon. Yeah. You know, my favorite is a kid from 30th and Pasker named John Solander. Okay, he led them to, it, it would have been uh, his sophomore year, my junior year, he led them to the city championship. He's a five ten quarterback that uh, you know could have went anywhere. And uh, what he did is he started a family and got involved with the Philadelphia Building Trades. And uh, but I remember speaking of Michigan, my favorite to win everything. Okay, he was he was offered a D back full ride back then. But Valera from 30th and Tasker was as good a quarterback at the press as anybody that they've had. And they sent kids to Ohio State and they sent kids into the pros. All right, go St. Joe's Prep tonight. Bring back the state title. We'll have more from the John Doherty Hour after the break. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW Local 1776, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, and the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, DC 21. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the John Dockerty Hour. Sitting in the big chair for Joe Krause, I'm Jay Dock. Uh, lots going on around the Delaware Valley. Uh, pleasure to have on the broadcast Michael Barnes, first vice president of the International Alliance 
of theatrical and stage employees, part of known as IATSE. Mike, how are you, sir? Pretty good, Joe. Good to be on tonight. Thank you. Great to have you, my friend. Uh, John, we have uh, a, a great labor leader here on the broadcast, somebody you're very well acquainted with. Yeah, Michael's doing a great job. I actually, you know, had, had a conversation, you know, and as you know, uh, I'm coming to a close. I've actually, uh, I'm no longer the business manager down at Local 98 or the Philadelphia Building Trades, and at the end of the year, I'll be retiring and, uh, from the industry. And uh, but one of the things I'm doing in the process is cleaning up all the open ends, which in some cases are five, six, seven years. And this most recent week, you know, uh, Jim Snell has been taking a lead and with Ryan with Boyer support. We had a couple opportunities for multi-billion dollar, okay, energy things that, that could happen anywhere from Chester to here. So, I, you know, I'm still having some contact. I just got off the phone with the mayor tonight over that. But one of the things that I said to him was I rode through town, you know, and I actually walked through town earlier tonight with Sealy, and it is mobbed. It is town mobbed. Is jumping. I mean, beyond. It's like not only is it a good, nice day weather-wise, but you have all the festivals, a tremendous amount of parties. I mean, when I tell you Center City, Philadelphia is ridiculous. It's just everything. The ice skating rinks, everything is amazing. And there's the theaters are open, and all of where Michael Barnes and police people are moving. And it's not a coincidence, because Michael has said that he has been preparing people that when the rest of the world opened up, they would be more than ready to open up not only New York City, but Philadelphia, you know, all the plays, all the places in the centers where, you know, I actually employs people, they're doing well. And, and again, Michael's at the forefront of that. I've said it time after time. You know, look, one of the commercials you heard tonight was that in the last year, you know, we've increased inflation by 7%. That's a big deal. Okay. So you have to, you have to juggle that. You know, you have a, not only has COVID, you know, uh, it slowed down a little bit, it, but it's come back in, you know, two different forms since we started with this. And you have to be real careful. And, you know, there's a tremendous push on, you know, not only the vaccinations, but boosters. And Michael's industry, you know, it was a people industry. It's been at the forefront from day one. Every single issue, okay, Michael's been at the forefront of. You know, in the beginning, like I said, it was, and it's just, he's just been a fabulous job. It's great to have him on and, you know, and, but I mean, he's, he's juggling everything and he's, he's bringing it back, you know. Michael Barnes? Yes. If you will. Yeah, so John, I mean, he hit on the points. Uh, COVID, when it first hit, it was a shock to the entire economy, in particular the entertainment industry. We, we, we literally had to shut down because... The, uh, the medical examiners and all the cities wouldn't let more than, you know, two people hang out together and they had to be married. But, uh, you know, as, as the vaccine got released, we reopened, just like the rest of the economy. You, know, you look at the Eagles game or the Sixers game or, or any of the other uh, places where people gather, and the theaters are the same. Uh, down at the Academy of Music, the Nutcrackers down there, it's packed. we got the Philly Pops at the Kimmel Center, Little Mermaid down the Walmart. We have all the festivals going. And uh, people have learned to adapt, you know, through the vaccine, through the mask mandates. And, uh, you know, the economy's opened back up and the entertainment opened up right with it. And, and it's opened up with a fjord, just like the 1920s, Joe, the roaring 20s. Yeah. The 20s of the, of the, of the 21st century, the same thing. Because there was a lot of pent up uh, frustration with people locked up and locked in uh, their houses. And also the, uh, 
you know, the money that got filled up because people couldn't spend. Right. And uh, now they're spending, and they're spending it on entertainment and dining and everything else. Well, it's interesting, Mike, because last night my wife and I were in town. Literally took me an hour to find a parking spot in a parking lot. I went everywhere, uh, you know, and, and although I was frustrated about not getting parking, it was so awesome to feel that buzz, to see everybody dining, to see, uh, you know, all the theaters, uh, you know, hopping. I mean, it just feels so good, to, you know, to, to have that back. And I, like John said, your, your people were at the forefront of that. Everything that's going on at City Hall and, and, and you know, all the, the, the festive activities. Uh, you, but you're an international vice president. So, you had, you know, obviously your jurisdiction, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you ran Philly uh, alone for years as far as, you know, being the business manager. But now your responsibility is, is, is national. How are the other cities doing, you know, New York? Uh, yeah, I mean, but, you know, not just New York and L.A., but, but, but other cities across the, uh, across the country. Are they opening up as well? Joe, being a labor show, there's a, there's a lesson to be learned coming out of COVID that's universally applied to the, to, the, to, the, to the labor movement as far back as we can all remember. And I've said this on the show a couple times, and I've been using this, this term a lot or this phrase a lot. You know, the, the short-term investment for profits over the long-term investment in people have failed time and time again in history. In those markets where unions weren't strong and the companies were, were reaping the profits out and they didn't have unions and they didn't have training programs and they didn't pay family wage jobs and they didn't supply benefits, those markets have been devastated. The workers aren't there to reopen the industry in those markets. Markets like Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, L.A., Boston, we are, we are okay. We're hurting, but we're okay. We sustained the blow. But in those areas where the workers were not taken care of, they fled. And now those employers are in trouble because they're competing with you know, the Amazons of the world that are, that are employing people, giving them full-time gigs, and we're only offering gig-type economy. They're, they're going to be competing with the infrastructure bill, who is going to be providing the, uh, the, the area standards jobs, uh, the prevailing wage jobs that John knows so much about throughout the country under the Biden infrastructure bill. And unless these employers in these markets in the southeast, southwest, that have been traditionally non-union, start to make the decisions to compensate their employees the right way, yep. they're not going to have an entertainment industry comes to Q2 of 22. And that goes for the convention center, too. Just give me one more second. We were criticized, me and John, when we went to the governor, along with Ryan and the other labor leaders, and asked them for a, a 10-year commitment at just a 3% increase. 3%, they said. 3%. We can't do that. But John fought the fight. He got us to 3%. Right now, when you look at that decision, we stabilized the Philadelphia labor market for the convention industry all the way out till 2029. I will tell you, because I'm bargaining on behalf of those markets, the other markets are seeing spike costs to their, to their customers that weren't anticipated because they didn't have a game plan like we did in Philly. Same thing with the depth of, uh, of workers. What happens in all those cities when the construction pops all over the place and the depth of, of the of the labor pool is taxed and they got it and all those shows come back. We're set up at the Pennsylvania Convention Center to, to, to be to be very successful in that environment and that environment is here right now today. And a lot of it has to do with Doc who's on the phone with us. I want to thank him again for everything he's done. 
for local eight in the labor community in Philadelphia. Johnny Dot. Yeah, one of the things you talk about, you know, when people say, "Hey, when when the the one negative is that not everybody has opened up yet," you know, when I was in town earlier in the week, uh, where I actually was up and down Locust Street and Walnut Street, you know, there's still five or six businesses and you know one or two uh, restaurants that could be opened up. So, you know, I'm hoping that people in Philly, and I'm hoping that uh, the mayor and his his commerce department and the chamber. You know, make every effort to do that because there's enough people. Lines are, you know, all the way down the block. But, you know, people always say, okay, if you kick in gear like you're saying you're going to kick in, will you have enough people now to for the jobs? The one thing that I've been part of and I've watched Michael do it, Michael has trained everybody. He goes into every neighborhood, you know, and, and between him, you know, and some of our friends over at the hotel workers, you know, they take some of the people that live in this city, that are looking for a good paying job. And not only do they give them an opportunity, they give them the right training. You know, and Michael started, you know, some training facility uh, probably in the last four or five years that's been really successful and super diverse. So, you know, Michael will definitely have the people, and he prepares his people to be uh, ready for whatever the challenges are. So that's good, too. It's just, it just creates long-term jobs for Philadelphia residents, and that's good. And, and, and you know Joe, what's it, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. What we're doing, Joe, is to, you know, Philadelphia was a great training ground to be a business manager for the last 30 years. I've been surrounded, you know, not just by doctors, that Jimmy Snell's there, you know, we had Anthony Gallagher before him, I mean, Brian Blair, you, have, you just could go on and on, right? The international presidents that came out of Philadelphia. So when we went into the, into the, into the uh, other workforce, we said to the big national employers, by the way, a lot of Philadelphia, shout out to my good friend, Peter Luca, who, Recently, uh, uh, just purchased Spectre with his company, OBG Doc, signed a national agreement, extended the national agreement that he signed with Spectrum to OBG to cover uh, 17 more buildings across the country without blinking an eye on us because he sees the value of unionized labor. But when we said to the other people, like live nations of the world and the big people, well, what is the plan? And there wasn't any, we filled the vacuum. And, and we're talking about plans that include communication, uh, coordination, education, and compensation. And while we brought three of the legs to the to the table, the fourth the fourth leg, the compensation, which we've been able to get in the unionized cities, is missing in the other cities. And we said, if we can get that, we can make this Philadelphia model, this New York model, this this Union City model, work all around the country. And today, more so than ever in my career, people are listening because of the inflation, because of the shortage staffage. Uh, in the labor market right now. But that training in Philadelphia and being surrounded by the great labor leaders of Philly, you know, put me in a position where I can, you know, help other people out around the country. Well, and one of the well, things that you, go, oh, go ahead, John. One of the things, Joe, is I know we were going to talk about it a little bit later, but uh, I think it's a great segue into uh, take a look at what's going on around the country. You know, Starbucks, you know, unionized in Buffalo, New York. Yep. Okay. And that's only the beginning. You know, and some of the people at Starbucks are saying, oh, my God, we have a great relationship with the people who work here. Now, you've got a great relationship with a few of the people that work there, okay, and you've got a great relationship with the people who make all the money. Spread the money around, and that's what the kids did. They took a vote, you know, and they and – they, you, you see how excited they were if you got a chance to watch oh, when yeah. they announced the vote? They, I mean, they were jumping up and down. It was like a big thing. People want to be part of a union. And, John, let me – right and let me just jump in there because this is what I was going to say to Mike. Being a part of a union, exactly what you're talking about, and, and Mike, it's a difference between having a job 
okay, or a career, and you're a part of something when you're when you're a part of a union, and when 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 you when you have a job and that job shuts down, <laughs> your job's done. It's over. When you're when you, you know we as an iron worker. We work our way out of a job. When it's done, but we go back to the hall, we belong to a job. Same with electrical workers and, 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 and members of IATSE, uh, stagehands. And, and we have the opportunity at a career. That's why, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, lives change when, 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 when people become members of unions. It's why it's so good to see the, uh, those employees of Starbucks go crazy when they won, uh, you know, the, the, the union vote. I mean, there's there's nothing like it, and and certainly, well, you Mike, you mentioned the labor leadership. It all starts with the labor leadership right there. That that you and and, and obviously John Doherty, uh, and and all of our labor leaders are what's are what hold the standards to what they are. You know, Joe, and, and it's just not like the misperception of that when you go into a union, it's top heavy. You know, they, they spend the money. They have unbelievable amount of debt. Well, you know, when I left Local 98, the thing that I'm the most, you know, uh, excited about is that when I actually, you know, walk out and tell the members, when I took over, we were staggering. Okay, we really didn't have much, you know, financial wealth anywhere. Right now, in Canada, in, which has some very solvent unions, and all across America and Puerto Rico, Local 98, the IBW, has the most assets versus the least amount of debt. They have no mortgages, no loans, just some car leases. They have the most assets in the IBW world. Okay? So people want to join a union that if it was a business, it would be one of the most successful businesses on the planet. The only difference is instead of people at the top getting wealthy, Everybody gets wealthy. Well, I will tell you That's this. And my father told me many times about the local 98 um, that you took over. And it was a struggling union uh, at the time. And you took it to heights that rarely any union has ever seen in the city of Philadelphia or beyond. There's no mistake in that. You're a member of, 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 of IBEW Local 98. Um, you're the envy of... The, the, the building trades, and the union community in general. The, what I love about what Local 98 under John's leadership has been all the areas of work that you've expanded into, the new areas of, uh, uh, of work. You grew your own industry, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the pride of the building trades. And I could, you know, and anybody who knows anything about unions knows that John Doherty made that happen. Uh, what the, what, yeah, what, but what the, but Joe, what these, Joe, this isn't, this isn't about my, me. This is no. about wanting people that want to be part of a union. And the good part is when you have one union successful, a lot of others follow. And Michael's been, you know, we, we've been like brother and sister unions with Michael for years through the hospitality industry, but through everybody else. But when you take a look at John Deere, the workers stuck together and the people around John Deere stuck together and they got a really good deal. Okay, take a look at what's going on with the Kellogg workers. Okay, they basically said no thanks to a weak offer from ownership. And now ownership, who really wanted this to go this way, are now saying we're going to replace you with permanent workers. Well, I'll be honest with you. If, they, if that doesn't get resolved quickly, you'll never see anything from Kellogg's. I don't care if I've eaten it since I've been a kid in my house, and I will make a part on my way out the door 
to make sure that Local 98 understands every member, every family, you know, and also the building traits. That, hey, listen, you know, this, this is just egregious. This is just, this is 2021. You know, when you have Starbucks and John Deere and even the go-puff drivers, you know, they're doing walkouts. And, you know, and I told you that, look, we, we backed up a little bit. We've had people reach out to us. And, like, again, my recommendations to the trades, you know, that's not a normal, you know, uh, organizing target. But that gig economy is not going away. So if they want to be represented, there's nothing wrong with GoPuff being represented by building trades unions. There's nothing with and other gig economies being represented. You know, and I'm going to tell you, unionism is on the way back. The polling, the like, polling says so. Mike Barnes? I'd like to just close with one thing, if I could. You know, IOTS has been around since 1893. IBW's been around since 1893. Most of the AFLC, AFLCI affiliates have been around since that period of time, over 125 years. Try to name a company, any company, that's been around for 100 years. They've all gone out of business. And, again, I say the same thing. It's because they all invest in the profits rather than people. And those organizations that invest in people have staying power, and unions invest in people. John, you hit the point. We don't have big overheads. All our money goes back into the people that we represent. And that's why we're strong organizations. That's why we've been able to survive the test of time. Mike Barnes, thanks for joining us on the John Doherty Hour. Have a great holiday season. Keep doing what you're doing. We'll have more from the John Doherty Hour after the break. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I love you, buddy. Yeah, Michael. This edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, Steam Fitters Local 420, and the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 542. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the John Doherty Hour. Shout out to the Bass team and Jerry and Stephanie Bass at Relink Real Estate Group. Uh, for all your real estate needs, contact them at 267-772-3009. Uh, we're on with John Doherty. Uh, John, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Buddy Osborne, Somebody who needs no introduction, uh, obviously, to our Philadelphia Building Trades and the Philadelphia Delaware Valley, but still somebody that's impacting, uh, you know, our community on a daily basis. Talk about that. Well, the easiest way I describe Buddy is I always joke with, you know, from a religious perspective, I tell people that, you know, a lot of people follow a guy who walked on water, and not that we don't and Buddy doesn't. But I like to tell people I follow a guy who flows under the L, and that's Buddy Osborne. He, he is, and he is someone who has dedicated his life, literally, and his family's life, okay, to making people's lives better. He just doesn't go around and help people, you know. And, and no disrespect to anyone who does anything positive. I mean, Krause has the co-drive, but it's, it's more personal. You know, Krause bumps into somebody who needs medical help. He, he, he also works that. Somebody needs, you know, a break. He tries to get him a break. But Buddy lives under the L in what is probably the worst three or four or five square block area in the East Coast. You know, there's a reason why people come into K&A and, and underwear uh, to do videos and, uh, you know, new spots 
talk about the heroin addiction and, you know, everything else down there. And I've been down there quite often. What Buddy has done has been amazing. And he hasn't done it by himself. But he's created an atmosphere where, you know, it's, it's a selfless attitude down there. It's like and nobody, you know, the only thing that people are concerned with is making a lie for people who most people think do not have a chance better. He has a, a group of chaplains that work in partnership with him. He's taken the lead on almost everything. And I can flat out tell you, as long as I'm alive, no matter where I'm at, okay, I will be there for money. You know, I've, I've been there with a broom. I've been there with resources. I actually got one major drop yet down there for the holidays. He, and if anybody else has clothing, you know, any type, kids' clothing to adult clothing, if anybody has additional resources or looking to do something special for anybody during the holidays, Rock Ministries, okay, goes to war, literally goes to war every day with the area that has the worst perception, maybe even reality, in, not in this region. It's a drug-infested, poverty-infested, uh, uh, there's kids, there's babies, there's you name it, and it goes on down there. And I even said that why Buddy's even so special, that I haven't seen any politician spend any significant time. Now, if you talk to the mayor and then they'll tell you they spend so much money trying to, you know, the, to improve the area. But it always goes back to ground zero. And that is, they just can't get a grip on it. And, and Buddy has got a grip on it. Buddy is, is, doesn't even realize, okay, what he's up against because he doesn't take time to think like that. But anybody spends a day with Buddy, you know, you just go home and you not only hug your kids, you get on your knees and you thank God for what you have, but you pray to God that he helps Buddy because Buddy is not going to stop until, you know, uh, he makes the lives of as many people as he can get his hands on better. He's just a great guy. I love him. I literally, and I tell people that, and this is why it's so easy for me, and it sounds a little quirky and, you know, on a, on a radio show for me to say that, but this guy is just something special. I had Sister Mary Scullion on here a couple weeks ago, and I told her she's a living saint in this region, okay? And she's had a little bit more help than Buddy's had, and she's demanded it, and she didn't start out that way, but she is really good. I joke with you. She's a good businesswoman. She's got a great, lot of great contacts. Here's a guy because the product that he's dealing with scares people. It scares politicians. It scares people to cloth. And that's why his chaplain group is so special. They formed a little cha they formed a little uh, little church or a little chaplain center down there. And they got about a hundred people a month they've been able to help. Get them in legitimate places where they can get better. If they need meds, they get them in hospitals. If they need you know, they have these some sort of benefits or whatever they're entitled to, they get that. If they need food, they get them there. You know, they get them everywhere. If they need addiction help, they get them that. It's just amazing that they actually have people, you know, responding to their efforts. So, Pastor Buddy, buddy. why don't you jump in? Yeah, jump in, Buddy. <laughs> I'm enjoying it, John. I mean, come on. Why would you I interrupt that, right? Do, no, I can't, I can't even top that. I mean, it's just, uh, what can I say, John? It's so good to hear your voice, too. Um, I appreciate that, John. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it. You hit the nail on the head, John. There are a few other things that you know. One of the things we're doing right now, John. I, I don't know whether you're aware of this, but we're uh, 
We're, we're creating three more examination rooms. Uh, we have a wellness center. It's a building we have at the 2700 block of Kensington, right down the street. And what it's basically going, we're, what we're dealing with is a lot of the, you know, a lot of folks that are that are pregnant, you know, through whether through prostitution and, and unfortunately rape, you know, and, and we have it. We, we want to save the lives of, of, of the baby. So we we're doing three examination rooms. We have a nurse practitioner at this point, a midwife. And uh, we're doing all kinds of testing. We're getting an ultrasound machine. So we're excited about that, John. You know? I mean, buddy. Buddy and Joe. Go ahead, Joe. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that is, um, it's staggering just to even think about that. Is 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 that, what type of um, situation is that? In other words, it, you know, obviously um, those type of pregnancies are, 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 are things that people don't want to talk about. People under normal, they don't yeah. talk about them at their dinner tables. At what point and, and what kind of problem is that? Well, it's a major problem. A lot of people don't realize, but in, in our area, we have more abortions than any, anywhere in the city. And, and we're just saying, listen, we can help you. these women. One of the things I love about it, Joe, down there is we're grassroots, we're on the ground, and the people trust us. They know us. They know we're not in it for the money. We're not in it for the fame. We're not in it for the glory. We're in it because we want to be. We want to come alongside people to help them in their in their time of need. And these women, once they come in, we had a we had a girl. She was eight months pregnant. She never had. She never saw a doctor. Never saw a doctor. But what we did was when we showed her showed her the ultrasound of her of her baby to be, she broke down. She was like, I can't believe it. And she and she had her baby. You know, uh, so we have seen multiple women, rather than get their baby aborted, have the child. And it's exciting. You know, it's very exciting. That's great work down there. And and by the way, and even that conversation is a complicated conversation. Because when, when you walk through that neighborhood, okay, and people say, well, what good is it if someone brings baby into that environment okay the reason i say that is because that's what people say to me when i tell them what he's doing and Mm -hmm. when you walk in there like there's one thing to have a reason why you wind up in that environment i walked in one day years ago with a whole bunch of stuff for kids and buddy was like thankful and people said well you know what are you doing with kids because he had a whole building full of children we had a couple of moms and a couple of women. And one of the women that were there, we, you know, I won't get into specifics, but was very successful. Had a lot of things go bad, got addicted, tried to get better, lost her family. Okay, was very prominent. And a beautiful woman. Wound up being down there and wound up being needing Buddy's assistance and to recapture her life. And she was doing pretty well. Well, she was helping Buddy with kids at the time. You know, and... She wound up in that environment, okay, because of a lot of circumstances. A couple of them kids that were brought into that environment don't have to stay in that environment, mm-hmm. okay? You can get them. You can hope to stabilize the family. If not, you can put them up for adoption. A lot of people want kids. And you want them kids to be healthy, okay? And, 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 I, and I have to tell you the story, though. I, I might have mentioned it once before on this air. I, I, I'm a big fan of this governor, okay? I think the environment is difficult to be a political today. 
you know, uh, based on some of the shit I just went through part of my French, I don't know how people want to even be involved and how you can negotiate on behalf of your people and play in the political arena. It's a difficult thing now based on the new rules. Uh, but this governor has a heart, and he's also a, like I like to say, a very honest individual and not your apolitical person. He was down. He was down hosting a press conference nearby about violence or something along the lines. Really an important topic. But I called him. I called people around him and said, hey, we want him to go see Buddy. So he scheduled to stop by Rock Ministries. Well, believe it or not, there was a shooting or there was somebody, you know, there was some aggravated assault or something where his people said, we don't want to bring you there, Governor, today. But when he told me, I went out of, out of control. I lost my mind. And I sent him a really deep text. And in the text, I said, that's why nobody goes there, because every day there's something goes on that should keep you away. You know? So not, not too long ago, what he invited me down, the governor came back, kept his word, he came back. And, you know, Needle Park is, you know, an area where, you know, in the, in the very near future, you know, nobody's going to make, you know, an aggressive push to try to clean that up and bring that back to the community. But you can't get anybody to pay attention. They just don't go here. Elected officials will send you some money and send a, you know, a cleaning service under the bridge, a sweep or something, but they just don't go there. Buddy goes there. Buddy touches everybody. It's just, you, it's, you have no idea. When I ask for people, and I say, I never ask for anything publicly. If you have money, if you have baby clothes, okay, if you've got a closet full of something you haven't worn in two years, package it up, give me a call, I'll pick it up and drop it off on the video. If you need it, Buddy, Buddy's just amazing. If you got diapers or, or you got, you know, anything, anything that you think, a crib, a coach, Anything, I'll, I'll bring it on video. I'll pick it up myself and take it under there myself. But buddy, we got about two minutes. Talk about. Yeah. I, I know it's the holiday season. You, you, you. The holiday season is every day for you in regards to giving. Give us your thoughts uh, from where you're standing. Well, you know, it is a it, it's a it's a great time of year for most people, but it's also a hard time, a very difficult time for other people. You know, and uh, we're down there. We're like John said, we're there. 24-7, we'll be in that area uh, from morning to night. You know, uh, obviously, around the holidays, we give a lot of toys out. When As much as we give, we get we give right back out. You know, uh, blankets, we give um, food, uh, Christmas trees. You know, we, we, bless, we bless the community. You know, we have a, we have a big uh, a truck now, a box truck, and it's one, it says real big letters, really beautiful. It says one child one family, one block at a time. And that's pretty much our model, Joe. That's our model. We, 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 we take one child, one family, one block at a time. Well, listen, man, I mean, we're in awe of what you do. You know that. We love having you on the program. We thank you for what you do for people that cannot do it for themselves, and you give them something that they, that they haven't had almost half their life, many of them, and that's love and caring and showing them that somebody cares. Uh, we wish you uh, the best of a holiday season. And uh, thank, you. thank you so much for being on, my friend. You got it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, John. Rock Ministries in Kensington. Don't forget them during the holidays, please. Absolutely. 
John, um, we got about two minutes left. I mean, you, you know, how, how you can't top uh, Pastor uh, Buddy Osborne and, and Rock, Rock Ministries. Uh, but as we close, um, any, any, any closing thoughts? We got about two minutes. Yeah, you know what? Let, let's, uh, we haven't done this in a while. Let's touch base on a little politics. I'll give you some, you know, uh, some inside baseball. Uh, you know, the hot thing in, in the media is, uh, you know, Sharif Street, you know, have an interesting uh, Congress seat that Congressman Boyle has. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm friendly with both, but, you know, actually, it's, when I told you I talked to the mayor earlier, talking about, you know, Congressman Boyle, the guy's just 100% for Philadelphia. He said he's super attentive, you know, he works beyond belief, you know, and most recent polling has him winning that seat well. And, uh, but... People say, why would you refill? Because there's a lot of other moves going on. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to end the show just giving people some inside baseball. You know, uh, there's a governor race, you know, and, you know, Josh Shapiro will not only run unopposed, but he'll be, he might be the best candidate ever. He's just a legitimate machine. Everybody knows that. The Republican side, they'll have a lot of people, you know, running, and that's still open to debate. Lieutenant governor is a, a spot. It's usually, eh, it just, you know, comes along with the ride. But there's a young uh, state rep out of the Pittsburgh area, Austin Davis. It seems to be he's the inside favorite. Okay, seems to be my understanding to be, you know, Josh's favorite. It seems to be, you know, I met him when my brother Kevin ran statewide. Uh, he was part of the Richie Fitzgerald, who was, you know, basically the go-to guy in Allegheny County, and a very and a very successful person. And you know, Austin seems to be the favorite. That probably won't sit well in this region. You know, Brian Sims has uh, has his eyes set on that, and is a really smart guy. Uh, my understanding is Brian has been offered, you know, an opportunity to lead the Pennsylvania Democratic Party statewide. It's something that most people thought Sharif Street had his eye on. So all of a sudden, you start to see how these rumors and other scenarios, or like I like to say, political mischief happens. So, uh, so I think that you know if the Philadelphia community sticks together. There's enough opportunity, and we have enough issues out there. All you have to do is you know every night turn on the news and find out how many more people were shot at or shot. And I think we should you know spend more time trying to come up with universal revolves to not only poverty but funds than we do political mischief. We protect this side of the state, the west side of the state will protect themselves, and we move forward. Now we've got a few more shows before the holidays, but you know, leading up to the holidays, you know, as, as effective and as happy as it is, please do not forget the people like the people that Buddy represents. And again, if you're doing good and you're looking for a place you know, you have Krause and his coats and his sleeping items and all that. And, of course, you have, you know, Pastor Buddy out there. So I can't thank you enough on behalf of, and I just want to continue to thank people for what they've done for me for 30 years. And, you know, I'm not done yet. I'm just doing things from a different way. All right. Thanks for joining us on the John Doherty Hour. For John Doherty and all of our guests, I'm Joe Doherty. Have a great day. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.